0: Part 3 of Queen of the Martian Catacombs by Lee Douglas Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3 Stark's words had the effect of an electric shock on the listeners. Dolgon's black brows went up, and the woman came forward a little to stare at the Earthman with profound interest. Kynon asked a question of nobody in particular who he demanded is this great black ape delgon told him ah yes said kainon eric john stark the wild man from mercury he scowled threateningly very well explain how i lied in the square certainly first of all the earth boy was a prisoner he was told what he had to do to save his neck and then was carefully coached in his part. Secondly, the crystal rod and the crowns are a fake. You used a simple Purcell unit in the rod to produce an electronic brush discharge. That made the blue light. Thirdly, you gave the old man poison, probably by means of a sharp point on the crown. I saw him wince when you put it on him. Stark paused. The old man died. The boy went through his sham, and that was that. Again there was a flat silence. Luhar crouched over the table, his face avid with hope. The woman's eyes dwelt on Stark and did not turn away. Then suddenly Kynon laughed. He roared with it until the tears ran. (laughs) "'It was a good show, though,' he said at last. "'Damned good. You'll have to admit that. The crowd swallowed it, horns, hoof, and hide.' He got up and came round to Stark, clapping him on the shoulder, a blow that would have laid a lesser man flat. "'I like you, wild man. Nobody else here had the guts to speak out, but I'll give you odds they were all thinking the same thing.' Stark said, "'Just where were you, Kynon?' during those years you were supposed to be suffering alone in the desert. Curious, aren't you? Well, I'll let you in on a secret. Kynon lapsed abruptly into perfectly good colloquial English. I was on Terra, learning about things like the Purcell electronic discharge. Reaching over, he poured wine for Stark and held it out to him. Now you know. Now we all know, so let's wash the dust out of our throats and get down to business. Stark said, No. Kynon looked at him. What now? You're lying to your people, Stark said flatly. You're making false promises to lead them into war. Kynon was genuinely puzzled by Stark's anger. But of course, he said, is there anything new or strange in that? Luhar spoke up, his voice acid with hate. Watch out for him, Kynon. He'll sell you out. He'll cut your throat if he thinks it best for the barbarians. Delgon said, Stark's reputation is known all over the system. There's no need to tell us that again. No, Kynon shook his head, looking very candidly at Stark. We sent for you, didn't we, knowing that? All right. He stepped back a little, so that the others were included in what he was going to say. "'My people have a just cause for war. They go hungry and thirsty, while the city-states along the dry-land border hog all the water sources and grow fat. Do you know what it means to watch your children die crying for water on a long march, to come at last to the oasis, and find the well sanded in by a storm, and go on again, trying to save your people and your herd? Well, I do. I was born and bred in the dry lands, and many a time I've cursed the border states with a tongue like a dry stick. Stark, you should know the workings of the barbarian mind as well as I do. The men of Kesh and Shun are traditional enemies, raiding and thieving, open warfare over water and grass. I had to give them a rallying point— a faith strong enough to unite them. Resurrecting the Rama legend was the only hope I had. And it has worked. The tribes are one people now. They can go on and take what belongs to them, the right to live. I'm not really so far out in my promises at that. Now do you understand?" Stark studied him with his cold cat-eyes. Where do the men of Valkis come in, the men of Jakara and Barakesh? Where do we come in, the hired Bravos? Kainon smiled. It was a perfectly sincere smile, and it had no humor in it, only a great pride and a cheerful cruelty. We're going to build an empire, he said softly. The city-states are disorganized, too starved or too fat to fight and Earth is taking us over. Before long Mars will be hardly more than another Luna. We're going to fight that. Drylander and Low Canaler are together. We're going to build a power out of dust and blood, and there will be loot in plenty to go round.' "'That's where my men come in,' said Dalgon and laughed. "'We Low Canalers live by rapine.' And you, said Kainon, the hired Bravos are in it to help. I need you and the Venusian, Stark, to train my men, to plan campaigns, to give me all you know of guerrilla fighting. Nightin has a fast cruiser. He'll bring us supplies from outside. Walsh is a genius, they tell me, at fashioning weapons. Themis is a mechanic, and also the cleverest thief this side of hell, saving your presence, Delgon. Arad organized and bossed the Brotherhood of the Little Worlds, which had the Space Patrol going mad for years. He can do the same for us. So, there you have it. Now, Stork, what do you say?' The Earthman answered slowly. "'I'll go along with you, as long as no harm comes to the tribes.' Kynon laughed. "'Ah, no need to worry about that.' "'Just one more question,' Stark said. "'What's going to happen when the people find out that this Rama stuff is just a myth?' "'They won't,' said Kainon. "'The crowns will be destroyed in battle, and it will be very tragic, but very final. No one knows how to make more of them. Oh, I can handle the people. They'll be happy enough with good land and water.' He looked around then and said plaintively, and now can we sit down and drink like civilized men?' They sat. The wine went round, and the vultures of Valkis drank to each other's luck and loot, and Stark learned that the woman's name was Berald. Kynon was happy. He had made his point with the people, and he was celebrating. But Stark noticed that though his tongue grew thick, it did not loosen. Luhar grew steadily more morose and silent, glancing covertly across the table at Stark. Delgon toyed with his goblet, and his yellow gaze, which gave nothing away, moved restlessly between Beryld and Stark. Beryld drank not at all. She sat a little apart with her face in shadow, and her red mouth smiled. Her thoughts, too, were her own secret. But Stark knew that she was still watching him, and he knew that Dalgon was aware of it. Presently Kynon said, Delgon and I have some talking to do, so I'll bid you gentlemen farewell for the present. You, Stark and Luhar, I'm going back into the desert at midnight, and you're going with me, so you'd better get some sleep. Stark nodded. He rose and went out with the others. An attendant showed him to his quarters in the north wing. Stark had not rested for twenty-four hours, and he was glad of the chance to sleep. He lay down. The wine spun in his head, and Beryl's smile mocked him. Then his thoughts turned to Ashton and his promise. Presently he slept and dreamed. He was a boy on Mercury again, running down a path that led from a cave-mouth to the floor of a valley. Above him the mountains rose into the sky and were lost beyond the shallow atmosphere. The rocks danced in the terrible heat, but the soles of his feet were like iron, and trod them lightly. He was quite naked. The blaze of the sun between the valley walls was like the shimmering heart of hell. It did not seem to the boy, in Chaka, that it could ever be cold again. Yet he knew that when darkness came there would be ice on the shallows of the river. The gods were constantly at war. He passed a place ruined by earthquake. It was a mine, and Inchaka remembered dimly that he had once lived there with several white-skinned creatures shaped like himself. He went on without a second glance. He was searching for Tika. When he was old enough he would mate with her. He wanted to hunt with her now, for she was fleet and as keen as he at scenting out the great lizards. He heard her voice calling his name. There was terror in it, and Inchaka began to run. He saw her crouch between two huge boulders, her light fur stained with blood. A vast black-winged shadow swooped down upon him. It glared at him with its yellow eyes, and its long beak tore at him. He thrust his spear at it, but talons hooked into his shoulder, and the golden eyes were close to him, bright and full of death. He knew those eyes. Tika screamed, but the sound faded, everything faded but those eyes. He sprang up, grappling with the thing, a man's voice yelling, a man's hands thrusting him away. The dream receded. Stark came back to reality, dropping the scared attendant who had come to waken him. The man cringed away from him. Delgon sent me. He wants you—in the council room. Then he turned and fled. Stark shook himself. The dream had been terribly real. He went down to the council room. It was dusk now, and the torches were lighted. Delgon was waiting, and Beryl sat beside him at the table. They were alone there. Delgon looked up with his golden eyes. "'I have a job for you, Stark,' he said. "'You remember the captain of Kynan's men in the square today?" "'I do.' his name is Frika, and he's a good man but he's addicted to a certain vice he'll be up to his ears in it by now and somebody has to get him back by the time kynon leaves will you see to it star glanced at beryld it seemed to him that she was amused whether at him or at dalgon he could not tell he asked where will i find him there's only one place where he can get his particular poison kala's out on the edge of valkis it's in the Old City, beyond the Lower Keys. Delgon smiled. You may have to be ready with your fists, Stark. Frika may not want to come. Stark hesitated, then, I'll do my best, he said, and went out into the dusky streets of Valkis. He crossed a square, heading away from the palace. A twisting lane swallowed him up, and quite suddenly, someone took his arm and said rapidly, Smile at me, and then turn aside into the alley. The hand on his arm was small and brown, the voice very pretty with its accompaniment of little chiming bells. He smiled as she had bade him, and turned aside into the alley, which was barely more than a crack between two rows of houses. Swiftly he put his hands against the wall, so that the girl was prisoned between them a green-eyed girl with golden bells braided in her black hair, and impudent breasts bare above a jeweled girdle, a handsome girl with a proud look to her, the serving girl who had stood beside the litter in the square, and had watched Kynon with such bleak hatred. "'Well,' said Stark. "'and what do you want with me, little one?' She answered, "'My name is Fiana." and I do not intend to kill you, neither will I run away.' Stark let his hands drop. "'Did you follow me, Fianna?' "'I did. Delgon's palace is full of hidden ways, and I know them all. I was listening behind the panel in the council-room. I heard you speak out against Kynon, and I heard Delgon's order just now.' "'So?' "'So?' If you meant what you said about the tribes, you had better get away now while you have the chance. Kynon lied to you. He will use you and then kill you, as he will use and then destroy his own people.' Her voice was hot with bitter fury. Stark gave her a slow smile that might have meant anything or nothing. "'You're a Valkysian, Fiona. What do you care what happens to the barbarians?' Her slightly tilted green eyes looked scornfully into his. "'I'm not trying to trap you, Earthman. I hate Kainon, and my mother was a woman of the desert.' She paused, then went on somberly. "'Also I serve the Lady Beryl, and I have learned many things. There is trouble coming, greater trouble than Kainon knows,' she asked suddenly. "'What do you know about the Ramas?' Nothing, he answered, except that they don't exist now, if they ever did. Fiona gave him an odd look. Perhaps they don't. Will you listen to me, Earthman from Mercury? Will you get away now that you know you're marked for death? Stark said, No. Even if I tell you that Delgon has set a trap for you at Kala's? No, but I will thank you for your warning, Fiona. He bent and kissed her, because she was very young and honest. Then he turned and went on his way. End of Part 3